everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes to make sure the levels fall from low. I got them girls shining oh so bright. I like when they start way over here and then somehow they're... Yeah, it's kind of poured in. Power Athlete Nation, yes. you're in for a real mm. treat today. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to burn one down. <laughs> is that a, is that two puns in the first 10 seconds? Yeah, keep stalling while I think of a third mm. one. That reminds me of uh, my nickname in uh, grade school. <laughs> Which was, that, wait, that wasn't Limp Brisket? Crunchy, crunchy treat because it was burnt. I'm trying to stall, man. I don't no, listen to this. Is, this is this is awful. It's great. It's this is the best intro we've ever had. <laughs> Fake it till you feel it on the premiere <laughs> podcast in strength and conditioning. And Much like all your transitions, text, they're very awkward. Mm. Well, speaking of awkward, yeah, the review in which Ben Skutnik left us on Power at the Radio <laughs> iTunes That's highlights right. the I, awkward. Uh, do we have I it? Do the you, screen name? Do you have accused up? I, I can, but this is the premier podcast on strength and conditioning. We got and an exciting one this evening. Yeah, hotline. We're going to the hotline. We're we? going to the hotline. We're going to the hot. John. You know, you know the best thing about the hotline. Tell them it's hot. Is it? It's How real hot? hot. It's so hot. Hot. I mean, the fact that people are just going out, handing out this number at randomly at bars, and <laughs> Texas just and Luke are just getting weird stuff texted them. I know. But on occasion, we get some real nuggets. That's right. And, a nougat, almost. <laughs> well, this is a nutrition topic. <laughs> That's right. So, what's the number? Nine two nine four six four zero six four zero. 929-ing-ing. Zero. That's right. That's how you reach the hotline. And what you'll be prompted with is a little request to leave us a message. And that's exactly what our caller today has done. Well, cue that shit up. You got the review? I have the review. Also, if you are, you don't have a question, but you enjoy the panage and the shtick. <laughs> panage? Panache? Power I thought it was panache. Edge. I thought so. Anyway, tomato, tomato. This reviewer left a five star. Mm. 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 The title, it's like the holidays with the family. What's the best part of going home for the holidays? Is it hearing your dad, Jean Wellborn, tell you the same story as he's told you a million times? Mm. Is it the older sibling, Luke, who still thinks it's a good idea to pregame the midday festivities despite their handful of alcohol-related misdemeanors? (laughs) (laughs) Handful? You're going to have to bump that up, buddy. What you're... Younger sibling, Tex, who brings their friend, I'm using quotation marks for our listeners, the week's guest, and tries to awkwardly carry on a conversation amidst all the debauchery. Or maybe it's the brief phone call with your third sibling, Callie, who is off doing better things with themselves, but feels obligated to check back in. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I thought he was going to give you drunk uncle Tex. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your weird uncle Tex shows up with a, you know, case of kombucha and a bottle of tequila to get weird. Well, we do now. <laughs> yeah, that's what my sister gets. The, well, good news. You don't have to wait for a once-a-year trek back home to get those same down-home feelings. Every week, you can experience the same familiarity from the comfort of your own home as Power Athlete Crew brings that same energy week in, week out, while inadvertently educating you on some of the most important components of Mm. optimizing human performance. 
No, there's not talk of DMT trips down to South America or how to biohack your way into eternity. Just actual information that is useful in your everyday life, regardless of your walk and also movie reviews. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want DMT trips and biohacking, go listen to Aubrey Marcus's podcast and try to suffer through that one. What's his rating? <laughs> don't, I, I don't think we should talk down to any other podcast. Yeah, no, we just, you know, happy we, we to... We just do us. I'll yeah. talk to, I, we talk down to this one. Why can't we talk down to those? Self-deprecation <laughs> is different. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah. how about some self-compassion for our nutrition coaches who are joining us today? Oh, hey, Sam. Oh, hey, how's it going? It's going. Ben, That was an you? awkward transition. <laughs> that was another really awkward transition. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like the, you know, like they always talk about like with comics and humor, like timing is everything, being able mm. to drop the right joke at the right time, have the right transition and lead in. I was going to say that your timing is so bad, I almost think it's on purpose. That's which, what I was going to say. Which instantly makes it more <laughs> funny that you're trying to have bad timing, which I'm I laughing. think is the highest level of comedic genius. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I mean, like, excellent show. Agree, everyone. We agree should. to disagree, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We got Ben Scott, Nick, Sam Flaherty. We're going to be talking a little bit of nutrition. So, spoiler alert, listeners. But how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Well, mm, well. Mm. well. I too am <laughs> doing, doing well. well. Tex, are you doing well? I do good. Well, or <laughs> <laughs> you do well good? Oh. Who are you, Captain America? These days, you're doing. Mm. You do good. Well, ladies Superman and gentlemen, thanks, Steve Rogers. Good. Enough friendly banter. Should we get right into the... Let's get into the meat. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. That's a pun. That was a good one. Yeah, that one was well-timed. Let's get into the potatoes. No? Okay. No. <laughs> hey, crew. Hmm. Long-time lurker, first-time caller. In the I got a question about just what I'm really doing, you know? Uh, I got a fancy watch here that tells me how many calories I burn, and I just want to know... Is that the amount of calories I should be eating? Because I feel like when I do that, I'm putting on just a little bit of fluff, right? So how do I really know what I'm doing, right? How many calories I'm burning? Let me know. Love the podcast. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Lurker. That, a- that guy sounds like he's time going caller. somewhere. He's got yeah. the voice of an angel for well, real. Well, he sounds like he needs uh, maybe a, you know, I was going to say uh, maybe a couple hits of Prozac, mm. maybe a shot of tequila, and I don't know, Some maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a couple whippets from, uh, from the local <laughs> grocery store. Okay, oh, so let's, let's, let's start with this. So Sam, Ben, you guys are working with your clients. As they come on board, are they relying on someone like the, this technology, whether it's wearables, a whoop band, or a Garmin watch, or Polar... Apple watch. Or Apple whatever. Watch. Yeah. Like, are they relying on this stuff to, like, tell them what to do calorically? Yeah, I think uh, most all of my clients have some kind of wearable. Um, and I think when we first got hooked up, they were looking at that as a metric, uh, because, again, they should trust it, right? So they saw it. So, yeah, I would say a lot of folks. And if you look at the Train Heroic feeds, I know there's a lot of chatter on there about the different wearables as well. So they're pretty prevalent. Yeah, or like logging in my fitness pal and kind of being like, oh, I ran five miles, and then it gives you a estimated caloric burn, then automatically adds it to what you need to have for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of my clients 
are like, oh, do I need to eat this extra five to a thousand, 500 to a thousand calories mm-hmm. um, based on that? And sp- quickly, specific to the wearables, we, we didn't touch on calories much, but we talked all kinds of wearables with Ben on episode 375 Ooh. back in August. Show notes, can you link that up? I can link that up in the show notes. Click in your iTunes description of the show mm-hmm. for those. Sweet. So what's the, how does, the, how does my fitness pal know everyone's individual metabolic rate and how I'm going to let you in on the secret. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's kind of a ballpark. And I think a lot of this stuff, especially with like the, um, if you look at the algorithms and the way all these things are done, is they're kind of based off of a kind of a central common denominator. They're estimating for the average person. The problem mm-hmm. is the only way that you legitimately know whether or not you are in a caloric deficit or in, you know, caloric surplus or whatnot is going to involve you stepping on the scale and weighing and measuring your food. You know, like, hey, if I got to consume 3,000 calories and my, you know, and, and that gets me into a caloric deficit, I'm going to know because I'm going to see it on the scale. So uh, a lot of times, you know, you can get online, you can look at all these different uh, programs that are going to give you basal metabolic rates and all that stuff. And I've, I've done it with people where they've gone in, we've set these calories and they weigh themselves and they're not losing. And you really have to go back and realize that most of these are just trying to get you on paper if you were trying to set in a rifle. But to really fine tune this stuff, you're going to need a set of measuring spoons. You're going to need a scale and you're going to need a body weight scale to consistently not only weigh and measure your food, but also figure out how much you're weighing on this, on uh, the physical scale. So Sam, how do you, how do you get people started on that? Like, how do you break out of the paradigm of like, because taking an objective approach to weight loss, like using the calories in calories out concept, it's not wrong. Right. So like, how do you help people narrow in on that? Yeah. Most of my clients that I work with, um, I know Ben has some super dialed in ones. Uh, mine are kind of on the behavior modification where just like little behaviors are seeing great results. So for me, I give most people, Hey, this is what, these are the calories and macros that I want you to track for two weeks. Give me two to four weeks. Um, it's one set. So it doesn't matter if you're hitting a heavy Jack straight, jacked street workout, or you sat on the couch all day. It's one goal. Um, that gets them in the habit of logging, weighing, measuring. Um, cause that's a lot in the beginning if you've never done it before. Um, and then from there, like, again, if you are wearing a wearable on your heavy days, your caloric need will be more. Um, and then we'll adjust from there and I'll give them, you know, a moderate day, a heavy day, a rest day. And then we kind of tweak it and add more as they get more comfortable with the behavior modifications in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that what was interesting there is like this two to four week concept, right? I th- we're in culturally a very acute results type of uh, yeah. uh, paradigm. We get things done quick, you know, and like that's that's the play here. But when it comes to like nutrition and seeing body comp changes, that stuff takes time, right? So like it's more of a longitudinal approach that you need to consistently hammer out over time to know whether or not it works, right? I mean, is that is that the case? Yeah. Yeah, I know Ben and I have talked about this too. I mean, you come to us and you're like, hey, my wedding is in three months. Sure, we can get you lean and jacked, whatever you want. Um, But to make it sustainable so you don't burn out after the 90 days um, and then gain it all back or, you know, you're not happy then three months down the road and you're contacting us again. It is like we're not coddling you, but um, it, it does take a systematic approach to change behavior 
it's not just what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so then, yeah. so then for the folks who like, just want to get the toe in the water, Ben, right? Like they think they need to determine if they're, they're the personality type that needs a coach or they can do it on their own. They got this wearable, they have this info, like where do they start? Well, first you could start. So depending on what you want to do, right? Lean or bulk. I'm going to talk about leaning because typically when we're talking about counting calories, it's more important there because with bulking, you're just, you're overeating, right? By definition, you're going hypercaloric, so you're overeating. So that's a little bit easier to conceptualize, right? But the first place I would start with people who are trying to lean, how do you do being hungry? Because that's like the first marker. If you're leaning, you're under eating, you're not eating enough calories, you're putting yourself in a deficit. And a result of that is being hungry. If you can be hungry and be okay with that and get through your day while being hungry, um, then we can really start dialing in with the calories. If not, then we go back to the behavior stuff that Sam's talking about, because there's a lot of things at play. But if you're able to do that, and you're able to go hungry, then we can kind of just estimate, right? 10 to 12 calories per pound of body weight will probably get the scale moving. But again, we're talking not overnight, we're talking hang there for a month, right? Um, because really, at least uh, like Sam and I's philosophy, talking about sustainable change, uh, we tend to look at minimum three months when we're talking about leaning and there on a perfect run, right? If we get a perfect run of 90 days, we might see a 10% change in your body weight, right? So I weigh like 230 pounds with 90 days of super dialed in nutrition, I might be able to get down to 210, right? But realistically, we see like a five to 6% change just because life happens. And so there you're looking at a long-term, I mean, five to 6% over three months, it's gonna look like nothing in the beginning, right? But then we zoom out and we see that there's a slow, consistent trend in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, 10 to 12 calories should be a good starting point, uh, 10 to 12 calories per pound of body weight but then they'll still need to be tweaking along the way. So what about like, so as people are maybe taking this on and they're using their wearables, like maybe can you tell a little bit on how they may not be precise, but directionally accurate? Like, you know what I mean? We talked a little bit about that in what number text two? 375. And 375, but can you give like a little preview on that, Ben? Yeah, so they, like John said, they estimate and, and all of them have different estimations. But what you can take it for is, especially if you're in like one of our training programs where you see kind of a similar type of workout uh, throughout the the week or or over time, especially right now with the PAMC, right? That's something that's repeatable to where you can then see, okay, today, as opposed to last week, I burnt more. What the actual number means, we don't know, but I know that my effort or my exertion was higher or, um, you know, like I, I wear my watch throughout the day so I can see if it was a slam day at work and I'm at my desk, like, hey, I didn't burn as much today. So then without knowing the actual precision of it, you can at least say like, hey, I didn't burn as much today, so I'm probably not gonna eat as much today, mm-hmm. right? So it can reinforce kind of directionally like that without knowing the actual numbers. Uh, but like you guys mentioned, nutrition is a numbers game, like plain and simple, it's in and out, right? And so um, getting a grasp on those numbers would be beneficial, but the wearables probably aren't the best way to go about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's disappointing. 
for those people who spend thousands of dollars on their fancy calorie counters. Yeah, but I, <laughs> it's great like, marketing. I think it's a. I think they're valuable in that it kind of gives people a visual representation of the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, um, for sure. You know, like I uh, Ben and I talked about this offline. Um, you know, let's say you go in and you know you slay weights for I don't know ninety minutes and you're training at a hard pace and you burn you know maybe five six seven eight hundred calories in according the course of the, that training session. Like according to the device, yeah, right? yeah. So okay. like uh, I, I think this garment's pretty accurate, especially when I wear the strap. Like in a ninety minute training session, if I'm banging heavy weights, I can easily burn seven eight hundred calories. Yeah. yeah. Um, then on Saturday when I had to fix six seven hours worth of hog damage, seed the pastures, and do all the work, I had the wearable on, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I burned like eighteen hundred. 2,000 calories just moving the whole time, right. shoveling, doing this. And so I think a big part is that um, I think sometimes people overestimate the amount of work that they're doing. And I think that kind of fucks them a little bit on the calories. So, you know, if you, if, if the only physical exercise you really get is like your 60 minutes in the gym, I think yeah. you have to be a little more realistic with it. Whereas if you're outside fucking digging holes, fixing hog damage, doing all that stuff and you're out, you know, for seven, eight hours and you're doing that type of work, it's a little bit easier. So I think what it does is it gives people just a visual representation. Like, um, right. like my mom wears a wearable so that she can count her steps and her goal mm-hmm. is to get at least 10, thousand steps a day mm-hmm. so all of a sudden she'll look she'll be like oh i'm at eight thousand steps hold on i gotta, <laughs> gotta go, go for a walk so it reminds her to kind of continually yeah, behavioral yeah. monitor so i and think what it's good is it's just good to kind of poke and prod people and give them an idea of how much they're doing so then even at the end of the day if they didn't work out they can look and be like oh well typically i get x this is where i'm in a surplus yeah so i think for that it's just an accountability piece but i don't think because i'll tell you this we i wore the whoop every day for almost a year and there wasn't a single day where I ate 3,000 calories and my average burn was a 7,500 on the whoop. And based upon those numbers, I should have been like three pounds at the end of the year. And uh, I like my body weight did not change. No, I mean, it it was literally I was like, wow, I'm basically uh, in a a one pound deficit. I should be losing seven pounds a week. Mm -hmm. And I did it for a year. So seven times, you know, 52 would be 300. I should be negative at this point and did not lose the calories. And so when I reached out to whoop and I was like, you know, how uh, you know, how does this algorithm work? Like, like, how are these numbers figured out? Because I'm telling you, it's not working the same way. And uh, they just kind of snowballed me with that one. So I think with the wearables, they're great for, you know, kind of reminding you where you are. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you're going to need some measuring spoons. You're going to need some cups. You're going to need a little bit of scale to be able to weigh and measure your food. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a plan. And then you're going to need to be able to step on the scale and weigh yourself to know whether or not what you're doing is going taking you in the right direction. So to to kind of, I was handed off in a sec, Ben. So anecdotally to that, John, for my, you know, in my experience with the Garmin as well, that like if you have an hour to 75 minutes of training or when I when I complete that there's three there's really three levels I hit like a 300 cal light day 500 cal medium day and then like 800 cal right and I think to map that over Ben to what you're talking about is in trying to lean out like there's this 10 to 12 calories 10 11 12 light medium heavy Right. So like that's kind of how I've been Mm -hmm. tracking it. And then as well, I've been tinkering with the chronometer, which is like a kind of a much more granular meal track food tracking. So, Ben, with that said, like what's the other anchor points there? Because like calories is one. And then the next side of this thing is like this macros thing. Right. The other objective piece is your protein, carbs and fat. So if you find yourself in a light, medium, heavy kind of paradigm and you're pegging between 10 and 12, like how do you give and take on that, whether it's protein, carbs, or fat? 
Yeah, I mean, one thing that stays constant, and this is actually why I think our the power athlete approach to nutrition is uh, really uh, maybe better than some of the other philosophies out there is protein is going to stay constant, right? We, okay. we set regardless of what you're doing, let's try and hit that one gram per pound of body weight. Um, is that and why for I think that's male and female? Yeah, that's across cool. the board. Um, we, we go one gram of protein uh, per pound of body weight. And the nice part about that is protein is uh, both highly satiating, so it's going to make you full, right? And it also uh, has what we call a thermic effect. Um, and we've all felt that when we've gone to like Brazilian barbecue, right, and gotten the meat sweats. Like that's a literal, uh, that's the thing, right? And so what that is is our body's inefficiency to actually use all those calories so about 70 percent of the calories that come in from protein actually get utilized um but like when sam and i make your macro plans that's accounted in there so don't try and like hack it saying like okay i did you know like don't do that back end math we do that for you um but the reason that's nice is because because of the thermic effect and because of the satiating effect it being constant is going to almost auto regulate that if you stick to, okay, I'm going to eat my protein first and I eat that amount of protein. If you have a light day, you're not really going to be super hungry or you shouldn't be super hungry. So eating protein first is going to limit you from deep diving on the carbohydrate, right? Deep diving on, on the fats. Um, but when you find yourself in that low, medium, high paradigm, protein first, and then I tend to, and I think Sam uh, does as well, tend to suggest to people when you're looking at your plate, go protein, then veggies, and then whatever carbs and fats you have, right? Um, because again, we're trying to, one, get a nutrient-dense diet. Uh, the veggies are gonna have a lot of those minerals, some of those vitamins as well. But we're also trying to limit the overconsumption of the carbohydrate and fat, not because they're bad per se, but because they are not as valuable to us as the, what we're getting from the protein and what we're getting from the plants, mm -hmm. uh, the, the micronutrients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess they don't, they also don't tend to blunt that like leptin, like the hunger, um, yeah. r r like sensation, whereas the, the satiating property of protein will help blunt that. So as I like to call it, food lust, um, the yeah, food lust I mean, is it, it's, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the satiating thing is kind of a, a blanket deal. I mean, there's a whole bunch of interesting mechanisms with grenoline and also with leptin. But for the most part, that's why we always recommend, man, if, if you're going to like go off the rails and you feel like, hey, I'm going to binge or, you know, and people do this all the time. They go like, well, I'm just going to have one cookie and then they eat like five bags. No. Uh, if you're going to do that, like how come nobody ever like, oh, man, I totally binged and ate this like whole rotisserie chicken or ate like four pounds yeah. of meat. <laughs> I think to me, I like. I think you're like, with like the, the outliers I, here. I, I know. Yeah. That's the stuff it's I like, would do. I think I'm going to eat the chicken skin. Yeah, I, I can all of it. Uh, my kids fight. Like we get these rotisserie chickens, which uh, seem to me like cat food. Well, yeah. Uh, because we ate it, them too much in college and like in. in but when I was in there's the like top skin and bottom but, skin but bottom skin is typically no fly zone over the skin yeah top skin's great like they love it and I'm always like Ugh, chicken skin Ugh. bottom skin but, <sighs> nervous well, animal but I, Dessert ribs. I wanted to jump in on something that John brought up and I, I probably will kick it over to Sam I guess because like she talked about the behavior change but one thing that people often do wearing if they're wearing a wearable or not they are overestimating what they're doing Right. Um, and meaning that, yeah, if you go hammer an hour and a half training session for those 90 minutes, you're really getting after it. But if you are sitting for the remaining 16 and a half hours that you're awake, your net result is going to be 
low, right? They actually, um, it wasn't really a big deal until 90s kids became adults and now we're a very sedentary population. So they've done studies and they've shown that you actually burn less calories mm. after watching an hour of TV than you do sleeping. And when we're sleeping, we are like the bare essentials, right? We're breathing and we're keeping our brain operating. When you're watching TV after an hour, so on those Netflix binges, you end up burning less calories than if you were just asleep. That I did not know that. But Ben, what if you're doing uh, functional movements at high intensity for 20 minutes a day? Does there, is there uh, like any potent neuroendocrine response that ramps up metabolism? And blunts carbohydrates in such a way they, they turn into proteins? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would ask if you were an elite athlete or a grandma, but really it shouldn't matter because um, it the all demands be the are all, yeah. yeah, the demands are the same. Uh, just a little rib, fun ribbing at CrossFit methodology, folks. We like CrossFit. We don't hate, we don't hate it. It's fine. No, we love it. Uh, They're so wonderful. Go, so, go really, ahead, so that, that gets to like what we get into with our clients a lot. Workouts are great, right? They definitely, we want to exercise for sure. Um, and nutrition is obviously key, but it's really like, what else are you doing? Are you finding that physical activity throughout your day? Because that's actually going to push the needle more than what your training is doing. Um, unless you are in that like elite athlete category doing doubles and, and really pushing the, the uh, needle every day. For the general person, most of the people on our training programs, it's, it's, going to be more beneficial to find physical activity throughout your day than just hammer a training session and then veg out the rest of the day. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I find that with my clients too. And it's hard because sitting at a desk is mentally draining, right? You're answering emails, you're on calls. Um, now we're not even really interacting with people. So the like face to face, so the logging on all of that adds up to like a brain drain at the end of the day so you might feel like oh wow i had a really hard day i worked really hard it must have been that workout or whatever but you're just tired and then you crave different foods than you normally would if you would have gotten up and moved around mm -hmm. throughout the day um so a tip i tell some of my clients is like hey whether it's during the day or when you get home if you feel super hungry but you are on track with your plan stand up walk around for five to ten minutes drink like two glasses of water and then sit back down and see how you feel. And it's like, were you hungry? Were you bored? Are you stressed? And there's a list of things you can go through to like identify if you really are lacking in calories. Like if you're leaning, you're going to, you're in a caloric deficit. Yeah. You'll probably, probably be hungry, but is it more than just that normal hunger type situation? Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to help a lot of my clients. So we, we've talked Help a little, not cleaning. <laughs> for sure. We, we talked a little bit about like, you know, getting started kind of, um, understanding the directional accurate accuracy of these wearables and things, you know, and what I'm, you mentioned there, Sam, is that, is it common for folks to kind of have like this reward food is reward thing, right? Like I, I had a hard session today, a hard day of work. I can, I deserve a food thing. Is that like, is in terms of like the getting started framework for when you guys are bringing on clients, do you, do you try to break that habit or like channel it or like, is that even a real thing? Yeah. I mean, I fell into it when I was working in office jobs, you kind of get home from work, you're cooking dinner and you pour yourself a glass of wine. You're not necessarily an alcoholic, but you earned that because you had a hard day at the office, right? So that's um, a very common habit uh, that I work to break with my clients where it's like, cool, like 
have one glass on Wednesday and then one glass on Friday. Let's make it, you know, two or three days a week instead of Monday through Friday after work. Um, mm-hmm. Some people don't even realize that they're in these habits or they swing, you know, in the morning they swing by Starbucks and get um, Frappuccino, whatever, and they don't realize the calories that they're intaking, but they're like, oh, I need this caffeine to get me through my morning meeting or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just a ton of habits and emotional responses that are surrounding food and drink. And it's super interesting. When I, uh, I, I had a client uh, that was, that we were trying to lean out, was trying to lose weight and uh, did food logs. And I remember being like, okay, like something is stalling out here. Cause basically off of the numbers, you know, to quote Tom Furman, if you can manage a spreadsheet, you can get in shape. And I remember being like, what's this coffee thing? Oh, I go to Starbucks and get a coffee. And I was like, okay, what kind of coffee? Is it just black coffee? And like told me what it was. I went and ordered this thing. I pulled up Starbucks. I'm like, hey, can you make me a whatever? Orange Dude, mocha frappe First of all, it was like $14. And this thing <laughs> came and I like looked at it and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, there must've been 800 calories in this thing. Ugh. And I and I remember being like, okay, I know what the problem is. So either... <laughs> you don't eat, this is your only food and this is what you have, or we just get rid of this. And it was like, well, I need this. And it's just like, hey man, like, what do you want? Do you want to have your insane 800, you know, Chelsea Hart coffee with 800 calories or do you want to be thin? And I always yeah. remember, what was Cali? Nothing tastes as good as being thin. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, dude, Cal, dude, there was so much humor that came out of our 22 Jack Street with Cali. Like, it was amazing. She's like, nothing tastes as good as being thin. And she never laughed either. It was mostly crying. Was so, we, I laughed like a bastard. I was in, eating like 10 tacos a morning. Oh, <laughs> she was great. just over there with, with like a whole bunch of shredded uh, vegetables. Uh, but like that, you, you know, like uh, people really mess up and I, and I, you know, uh, people weren't kidding around with this whole like quarantine 20 and 30 and 40 pounds where people were stuck in quarantine and what were they doing? They're like, Oh, it's two in the afternoon. Let's pop a bottle of wine. And all of a sudden, like next thing you know, like if you're drinking, you know, uh, bottles, typically four glasses. And if you're drinking four glasses, you got to look at like what that total is and kind of work backwards. So I think Mm -hmm. people really, alcohol has always been a slippery slope, reduces inhibitions, lets you kind of go. And, um, it's just kind of dead calories. So Sam, I guess with the, like whether it's booze or food like is do you have any tactics if someone's listening like oh shit i'm a reward person to dissociate like that like the reward component of food you know like there's like this emotional social component to food that in the grand scheme of things if you were to take the most pragmatic look at food period it's really to sustain life and activity like that's the goal period but we've lumped it in now as reward as like a social component like what, what tricks have you had that maybe some people can try, uh, other than like know where you're starting and then kind of slowly titrate away from it. But is there anything else in terms of like dissociating that reward deal? Um, I think awareness is the biggest thing. And I know Ben does this with his clients. It's track your food, right? So whether that's in my fitness pal or you're writing it down, you almost don't, when you get in these types of habits, you don't realize you're doing it. Um, it's like being in an office and someone brings in the leftover Halloween candy and you're just grabbing it. Um, cause you're there, you're bored. It's a reward or whatever. Um, I mean, I've had success with, okay, cool. Like say John's example with the coffee, you're spending $14 on your coffee, right? Ugh. Put that money like, and this is honestly how my grandma stopped smoking. You put that money in an envelope. So $5 a pack, $5 a pack, $5 a pack. And then 
light it on you fire go and you uh <laughs> buy a new pair of lululemons or whatever mm-hmm. your reward is that way um so it's not associated with food but then you are getting new clothes or um a new house plant your whatever grandmother wears lululemons no i oh. wish she, my mom does <laughs> not my grandma <laughs> I think she shops at like Costco. Is it uh, this grandma Grandma Johnson or Grandma Flaherty? Uh Grandma Wiggins. Wiggins. So, Wiggins, yeah. Okay. Uh my mom's mom. Got it. She's a crazy lady. Hilarious. Nice. Just fire. Firecracker. So Ben, sorry to cut you off, man. Uh what what were you getting into? Well, so I wanted to kind of zoom out like what we're talking about and and I don't think our audience per se falls into this category, but like how John is able to joke about things that Callie says and, and kind of the attitude we take. A lot of people get triggered, if we can use that word, when we say to start counting calories and start quantifying this stuff because they're afraid it's going to build an unhealthy relationship with food. But the very real reality is this is the first step to building a healthy relationship, right? It's it's necessary to know what you're doing so then we can make changes. Um, Sam and I both talk to our clients all the time about how, yes, at some point we will be tracking and you need to track, but that shouldn't be a life sentence. But what we need to do because so many social constructs are set up to avoid this, we need to dial it back in, right? And easy comparison is, you know, you get in your car and you go for a drive. The gas light comes on when the tank is low. You know, if we didn't have the meter, we didn't have the gas light, and we just kind of guessed, one day you might be overfl- uh, overfilling the tank, and then you might forget to fill the tank up for two months and end up on the side of the road, right? Mm-hmm. So all we're doing is we're just counting the fuel you're giving yourself. We're not attaching, you know, good, bad, or otherwise to that, but it just gives us a starting point along with the behavioral stuff that we've been talking about to allow for actual healthy changes, right? Because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is 80% of the U.S. is overweight. are over the obese mark. And so if we want to talk about healthy relationship, we need to start inserting some accountability, but that's not us beating your head into the wall about it. It's just saying, hey, this is the reality. Now let's do something about it. Why do you think, um, you know, we've, if you turn on the news, I mean, every other word's about pandemic, pandemic. Like to me, this feels like a pandemic in such a way, or at least, um, I don't know if you could say pan is the world, but like uh, a serious problem here in the it's, United States. It's starting to become a pandemic. Well, it's I starting mean, to spread to other countries. I mean, the other one I just looked at uh, yesterday was uh, we lose 5 million people a year to cancer, right? Like in the, in the U.S., like that's a pandemic. Like it's pretty amazing when, you know, we lose 300,000 people a year to obesity uh, related diseases that are 100% preventable by just eating less and exercising more. And I know like, you know, people want to believe, and I, I did for a long time, man, I read uh, Jason Fung's book on like the insulin paradox. And I had this idea that there maybe be something hormonally in there that, you know, is preventing people from losing weight. And you, then you read it all and you're like, nope, all the studies show that uh, most people have no concept of how much they're eating the extremely rich, calorically dense foods that are overconsumed, and for the most part, that there's no, you know, gene that you know propensitates somebody towards fat and like you know makes you impossible to lose weight. That it just comes down to some diligent tracking, some consistent effort, and eating in a caloric restriction long enough to reach your goal. Well, and John, that's interesting because like we're, and I want to make a clarification because I know you're not saying it. We're not saying that there aren't conditions that can affect how you burn calories. For sure, if you have a dysfunctional thyroid or, or something like 
uh, one of those conditions that do affect your metabolism, you will burn differently. But at the end of the day, it's still a numbers game. Calories in, calories out. And you can look at that maybe as calories burnt and calories in, right? Sure. So if you have some kind of dysfunction or, or condition, absolutely, um, that can affect how you burn. But yeah, John, like you said, when people say, oh, it's, you know, hormones, I'm, I'm you know, it's like the new age, I'm big bone. It's like, no, it's not your hormones. It's your inability to make the changes necessary, right? Like it, it still well, comes uh, down to calories. We've seen this in, in every walk of life. It's, it's a lot easier if it's somebody else's fault. Um, you know, like I, I sometimes think, you know, in this country, um, not in a political way, but like for a lot of things where people would almost hope for more involvement. I mean, I've, you know, if you guys listen to the two or any of our podcasts, you know, I'm an advocate for, you know, like take less tax from me, uh, give me more autonomy, give me more rights, like, like the least amount of involvement that I have with the government, the better. Whereas I think a lot of people want more involvement. They want more, you know, uh, like more oversight so that it provides or provides a safety net where if this doesn't work, it's not my fault. And I think the people that we've all seen and we keep talking about behavioral changes and mind, you know, changing your mind and relationships and whatnot with food. But at the end of the day, you as the individual have to take responsibility and be like, I am going to do this. The government can't do it for me. Ben Skutna can't do it for me. They can be guides and they can help me. But at the end of the day, it comes down to me putting myself in the proper situation, having a plan and executing it and making a, a, a life change. And I think like people, and I've, I've said this years ago on the podcast, nobody's hiding around the corner to drag you and say, hey, I got to fix this. Nobody's coming. Like it's you and you alone have to be the agent of change for this. And uh, all this information is incredible. It's a starting point, but, and I'll stress it over and over again, if, if it was easy to do, everybody would have done it this thing wouldn't exist and we'd be sitting here just, you know, with other awful banter, but with nutrition, it's such an important component. It's really the foundation, especially if you look at our, you know, athlete progression pyramid, uh, the nutrition is such a foundation and this is so important. But what we found is, uh, you know, we were so focused on performance. We had this, you know, huge cross section of athletes that were looking to maximize what they were able to do each and single day. And, while that's, uh, I think, the cool stuff that really gets us excited, for the most part, people want to just have a healthier version of themselves. And a lot of people that are coming in, you know, especially for power athletes, are looking for performance, but people just want to feel better. They want to, like, sleep better, you know, get out and walk. They want to reclaim their lives. And if that involves eating less, that feels like an easy, easy bargain. I, I don't know why that bargain is so difficult for people to make. Well, and health underlies performance, right? Like we're coming, when we talk about performance, because uh, we fall into this trap, I think a lot within this group of people, we're assuming certain boxes are being checked, right? Because we wouldn't have the performance conversation if we were unhealthy, right? So we're assuming that health is taken care of and that's where that nutrition comes into play for the most part. And then we can talk about nutrition for performance, which is for sure another level of this. Uh, but, you know, I think, at the end of the day, kind of going back to what Sam says, it's like food and their food choices are personal freedom, right? Nobody, I mean, you saw it when, uh, was it New York started taxing sugary drinks, right? People were in uproar over that, but there's, there's zero health benefits from it. We don't need it to survive, but people were so upset that somebody was telling them you can't choose to eat this. Mm -hmm. And that's a big struggle that all Sam and I, all of our clients have or have had to work through because you, 
at the end of the day, hard day, you want to go home and you want to eat some kind of comfort food, but oftentimes those foods are not the best choices, right? We don't ever hear anybody saying like, man, I just want to go home and I want to crush some white fish and some mixed greens, right? Like, I'll tell you what though, I got a secret for you. <laughs> that yellow bird or green dragon from whole, or uh, mm, uh, what's it called? Trader, Trader Joe's. Joe's. If you get yourself some white fish, a little bit of corn tortilla, maybe some crunchy up corn chips, and you sprinkle it on there, salt it up, and put some of that green dragon on, you'll definitely want to go um, home and eat that. So that is like my, I love that shit. So we get this, um, like almost Sorry like, to cut you off, like this cabbage salad. We're having fish tacos tonight, and, uh, so I'm like, I'm really hyped up dude, on it. we get this this cabbage salad that comes with this pretty oh, yeah, good yeah. dressing, and if you take the white fish, yeah. and you put oh. the cabbage on top, and then you cover it with hot sauce and salt. Green. It's gotta and be then, green. Uh, I actually like, well, white You're, green. Uh, because green's healthier. <laughs> I, I I alternate between green and red uh, hot fish? salsa. Yeah, oh. I like the red. I, I like the red hot Can't sauce. Can't say I've ever tried it, John. I there's, don't even know. There's stuff called awesome sauce mm. when they sell it at Whole Foods, and it's a red sauce. It's pretty spicy, and uh, I alternate with that. But man, I cover that uh, with this um, uh, like cabbage, almost salad, and I cut it all up. And mm. dude, we crush the white fish. Everybody knows if you eat a bunch of green salsa, you don't have to eat salad. So, cause it's green and you eat your greens. Or, or ah. biv. Yeah, yeah. Or biv. But Sorry. like John, what you just walked people through is like how we, I mean, it's crazy to me that there's so many people on our training systems because they know that we can help them out, right? They don't know what to do. So they rely on us to tell them. It's so crazy to me that there's so many people on our training systems, and then when you ask what they're doing for nutrition, they're just I'm kind good. of winging it. Well, yeah. uh, right? it's it's because like um, I, you know, and we we talked about this uh, earlier this week. I think people just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I yep. like I. I think we get stuck in this and I know Luke and Tex and I have discussed this is we're like, oh, you know, like, hey, you know, like we, <laughs> and um, so we're getting ready to launch some new courses, uh, you know, uh, you know, Xanus's foot course and then also Texas, uh, you know, the trainer course. And sometimes what we do is we create this like level of interesting nuance and almost cryptic talk with things. And I think people like, sometimes they just need to be reminded. You have to remember that people are coming into this brand new mm-hmm. that like, you know, there's new people jumping into Jack street and field strong on this. And that's why I've been, um, you know, really trying to motivate you guys to get into those comment sections, ask people questions. Um, you know, when we get questions that come through, like I just kicked Ben one yesterday, guy came through looking for training for his kids. Hey, this is the program. If you want to talk nutrition, you know, kick him to Ben, Ben set up a consult. And next thing you know, he's going to be able to help these three kids reach their goals. And like, I think that's what we do really well at Power Athlete is we provide actionable solutions for problems. So whether it be a training, nutrition, equipment, like whatever it looks like, we have a pretty good skill set and a pretty good, you know, uh, you know, bag of individuals to reach into to pretty much solve every problem. And I think this nutrition one is such an easy, easy, yeah. low hanging fruit that it's amazing that like every person within our training programs isn't following some form of power, power athlete nutrition With protocol. Key thing to keep in mind and going to, we've discussed behavior a lot and a simple behavior change model that is a great representation is trans theoretical model of change. Ugh. Right. Where we're what, providing wait, yeah, trans trans theoretical model for behavior change. So TTMOC. Uh, there's a lot of other acronyms. Precede proceed is a behavior change acronym. I don't know what those mean, but I know it's small. <laughs> Nobody knows. But the the actionable oh, sorry. product or position that we offer people, they're in this contemplation and then an action stage, if we're using this model as a reference, 
than the the major majority of the country under a pre-contemplation. They're not even thinking about this. And another key word we've mentioned a lot within this show and previous episode is awareness. And the wearables are so key for then transitioning from contemplation into action. The Doris Wellborn example in which she hits 8,000 steps. Oh, crap. I need to finish out my 10,000. That's an example where she's taking action. So Mm -hmm. the actionable steps that we require are only as good as the people that are ready to then take the step and the change. Right. So we, we talked about John, Sam and I had a conversation earlier this week. We talked about a very simple actionable step that folks can take. And if they were to measure their waist, so just tape measure around their waist. And if it's more than half of their height, right? So I'm six, three, so that's 75 inches. So if my waist were 37 and a half or bigger, you are in the demographic that will die before their parents that will probably get some kind of heart condition, some kind of diabetic state, something like that. Like that's the level of unhealth that you're at, regardless of how you're performing in the gym. You could, you could very much be there and still be putting up big numbers on the barbell and things like that. But that's what we're talking about here when we're talking about how important nutrition is aside from just performance, right? Mm-hmm. Cause the, the, it's almost like a pat on the back to power athlete that so many people aren't on the programs because they're still doing better than what they've done in their CrossFit gym or whatever, because the training is so effective. But man, if you, you know, just so let's, jump. Let, yeah. Let's break it down, man. So like it, how many well, meals a day, like, how many meals a day should, could folks be eating? One, I mean, well, you could too. Like, like meal frequency is kind of an interesting well, thing. Like, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll, let's, I'm not, well, I'm not I'll, trying to. I'll, let's just give a starting point. Well, so I'll use it like a, like in the training model, right? Like, uh, frequency is just a technique that we use to kind of amass volume, right? So, like, if you're not in good enough shape to be able to get, like, and I wrote an article, the six laws of muscle and strength. One of them had to do with ten to twenty minute or t- ten to twenty sets per body part per week. Well, like, if uh, you train one day a week per body part, you got to get those twenty sets, mm-hmm. or you can break those two over five or three over, you know, broke, you know, let's say seven. And, uh, I think with, with eating, um, you know, the age old idea of like five or six meals and these small little meals, I think works for some people, but I think it really comes down to what you can do. The people that are able to, uh, you know, hit the mark the most consistently. Like for example, if I know that I can get three meals in a day, then I should divide it by three. If I can get four, you can get four. If you mm-hmm. can get five, but the problem is, is when you start stacking six meals, people invariably miss meals. So sure, then they overeat sure. and they make mistakes. So what is, so the, the best plan is the one that you can execute the best. Okay. Right. With the most accuracy. So I know with you guys, uh, and you start doing your meal preps and you start working with your clients, the biggest thing is like, how many meals a day can you realistically eat with your schedule? Mm -hmm. And then you work back from that one. Yeah. From a, from like a biochemical standpoint, three meals a day, right. is like kind of the bare minimum. There's a big push in the fasting community for all of that. But again, we're, what's interesting to me is when people start talking about that kind of stuff, it's like, Hey, let's remember we're 80% overweight. Why are we talking about how to tune up a Ferrari when yeah. our Honda civics are broken down? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's because people so, love minutia. Right. Well, they want to, they want, they want to make a, a task so difficult that if they can, fa- or if they fail, then it's like, well, that was just really hard. Right. right? Three meals a day, you're awake for 18 hours. That's a meal every six hours. If you can't find time, every six hours to sit down for 20 minutes and eat a meal, 
mm-hmm. you have a lot of lifestyle issues going on, right? You have scheduling issues, a whole bunch of stuff. And that's kind of the, some, some of the stuff we work with, but like, that's a baseline three meals a day. Can you drink half a liter or half an ounce per pound of body weight in water throughout the day? Mm-hmm. If you can't man that before we even talk about calorie burn or anything like that, that's more important, right? There's, there's these very fundamental things. And I think, um, Sam, maybe you remember the stat. It's something like 90% of Americans either smoke, don't eat three meals a day, or don't get enough water. And like, that's amazing, right? If we're 80% obese or overweight, and 90% of Americans have some kind of bad habit like that, like this is easily fixable. But it's like what we talked about earlier, people know, but it's creating that plan, taking that action. And again, like, just like people turn to train heroic for the training needs, they turn to the power athlete programs for the training needs. That's our role, right? right? I mean, I look at the folks on PAMC right now. And honestly, if you're not coming away from PAMC, 3% body fat lower, and probably about six or seven pounds of muscle, you messed up, you missed it, right? Because that cycle, Tex talked about it, wrote about it. That cycle is designed to boost growth hormone. If you're not growing during the cycle, you need to fix your nutrition. Mm right? Like things like that on Jack street, if you're not putting on size, you can be getting stronger, but if you're not putting on size, you're missing it, right? Mm-hmm. You're missing the mark. Or if, so, you're, if your taper is turning to like in the bulk, right? Your taper, you come in, you're a hard gainer and you have that uh, for a dude, like lean, a lean, hard gainer. And uh, for, for a lady, you have like an hourglass figure, maybe broad shoulders. But if that, you start to see the midsection become a little yeah. more bulbous. If you're putting relative, on unfavorable size, right, yeah. Then you're, you're and, not hitting it right. And on the flip side, if you're leaning, but you're saying, oh, my strength numbers are going down or, oh, I just can't recover. You're doing it wrong. Right. Right. The, again, we can look at, look at bodybuilders, right? They got it figured out. There's no way they can hammer seven training sessions a week if they couldn't recover, right? So it's out there. It's just really difficult. Like it really is. And so instead of setting yourself up to fail and giving yourself that leeway, let me just tell you right now, you're going to fail. 80% of Americans are, right? If you're part of that 20%, good on you. But if you're part of that 80%, just reach out, right? That's Mm -hmm. what we're here for. Uh, Because again, you're not getting the value out of the training if your nutrition's not in check. Right, right. And so just like to to close up here and kind of summarize a lot of the stuff. So target that three meals a day minimum, right? There's variants there, John, yeah. like you said, there's all sorts of variants. But as my dad liked to tell me when I was a younger kid, a man with a choice is a man with a problem. So let's start to like remove some of the superfluous gray area, get three meals a day, get half an ounce per pound of scale weight a day of water. Every meal. That's water. That's that's not just coffee and this and that. Like that's just just water. plain water. And then um, salt your food. Eat a gram of protein per pound of body weight. Target ten to twelve calories of total scale weight for the. Uh, Get seven plus hours for, of sleep a day. night. Get seven plus hours of sleep a night, and then brush ro- your teeth. Rotate rotate your proteins. If you're a big West Side barbell geek. It's the conjugate method of food. Of, of protein. Well, yeah. it's the conjugate method of protein consumption. So, uh, you know, my personal, I know I'm having 25 meals a week for the most part. I do four Monday through Thursday, three on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I, I just try to get seven and a half pounds of meat in a week. Like, so I'm not weighing and measuring every meal. I kind of work on this weekly paradigm, but it's all like for the most part, it's about the same, right? But then it's like mm-hmm. red meat, white fish, um, pork, 
lean pork, uh, chicken thighs, because I'm off the bird's breast. I'm out. Chicken thighs, they've worked their way back in. I'm, they're a little more forgiving. You can marinate them in some delicious stuff. But like, so like if you can start, what have I missed there, guys, in terms of, so we got our, our gram per pound, gram per pound of body weight protein. We've got our 10 to 12 cals per body weight, scale weight. We've got our hydration. Well, people are going to ask, what about carbs and fat? And the thing I always talk about is like, what does your palate really go with? How about like, we just let them split it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I always think that's the easiest way just kind of to split it. But sometimes like uh, if you're going to like, let's say you are want to eat a ton of chicken, right? Uh, you're going to have to pick up some extra fats with like... Want or you're just willing? Uh, you're willing to eat chicken. <laughs> like you're going to have to pick up monounsaturated and, and some saturated fats, mm -hmm. whether it be a little coconut oil, a little olive oil, or whatever it looks like, avocado. Um, whereas if you're going to predominantly eat meat, like red meat, which has got a higher fat content, then you got to take into a consideration and realize like, okay, hey, the fat's going to be a little bit higher. I'm going to have to cut a little carb. Mm -hmm. So I think really what we do is we start with the protein. What protein are you eating? figure out what the load goes there and then you basically just backfill and you kind of yeah, split like, it up and you kind of play like i know that on the days that uh i eat chicken i can you know play i have a little more variation with my calories and mm -hmm. then the days when i eat red meat so and typically if you're making meals like legitimate meals you'll find that it almost works itself out mm -hmm. right if you put protein as a priority the things that are going to pair with that typically it all shakes out to be a close enough, right? And again, if you're using that 10 to 12 calories as a guide, man, the other remaining calories could be table sugar. And you're as long as you're in that deficit, you're still going to lose, right? But the nutrient density uh, is also an important component of our, our philosophy, right? So that's why we do want to vary our proteins. We do want uh, green salsa and red salsa. What? Okay. <laughs> Unless you're allergic mm, to one. Mm -hmm. But that's or hormones. If, if it's tomato Maybe based, but if it's <laughs> pepper based, yeah. like a Tabasco. I'd say mm -hmm. to add in veggies. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Veggies. Well, you know, uh, and then there's uh, there's the Roy G. Biv, right? Sam? Paul yes, Carter. So uh, Paul Carter had a great one where he said nobody ever got sent to fat camp for overeating veggies. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, Paul Carter's got some good nuggets, man. But I just still laugh at that one where he's like, nobody got sent to fat camp for overeating them because people be like, well, what about vegetables? And his comment was, nobody got to fat camp for eating overeating vegetables. You'll be fine. So Sam, can you, you talk? A, a, yeah, talk about like Roy G. Biv and like the the mixture of fruit and veg. Yeah, so just like you want to diversify your protein, you want to diversify your vegetables. So I've even gone so far. So Roy G. Biv, the rainbow, those of you that don't know. So you want to get red, yellow, orange, green, blue, blue indigo, white, indigo, indigo, violet, violet. <laughs> violet. Um, so I've gone so far for my clients to make a chart. So if you don't know what to eat, because eating healthy can quote unquote, get boring to some people. You kind of look at the chart and it's like, okay, I've had green every day this week. I haven't had red. Okay, cool. I'm going to throw some tomatoes in the oven and make roasted cherry tomatoes. Um, so you can kind of go off of a chart and then you know what to eat mm -hmm. that day and it doesn't get boring. Um, but yeah, you get a, just a variety of micronutrients in there. Um, so you just aren't lacking. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very simple solution to to add into your diet you know yeah. throw some spinach into your eggs um ben talks about the big ass salad yeah the so, batch like the batch approach to roy g bit right yeah, ben? Just, so like dig into that real quick yeah 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 the big ass salad is my way because i'm not a big veggies guy um and i also don't like to put a lot of thought into my food right to me it's it's pretty just fuel based so each week 
I'll make a big ass salad. We get the big glass salad bowl, go to Whole Foods, grab the big thing of uh, spring mix, dump that in, slice up some cherry tomatoes, dump that in, slice up a couple bell peppers of different colors, dump that in, mushrooms, dump that in. And that, I, I try and get one or two of those each day. And um, throughout the season or throughout the year, I might switch up the exact veggies that I put in there. But the goal there is I'm knocking out five or six colors twice a day and it's real simple, right? It's there in the fridge. I open it up, put it on the plate, or I can just grab a handful and, and smash it down, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, the micros, everybody wants to talk about macros, but the micros dictate how our body processes the macros, right? So if you're lacking in these vitamins, your metabolism will be a little bit off, and then you'll think like, oh, I'm just fat hormones, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, it's because you're just not doing the things that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet. I think we crushed it. I think so as well. Yeah, we slayed it. So we've provided a lot of actionable mm -hmm. steps. And if this episode, if you're to our listeners, if this episode sparks some interest, you've entered in the first step for making changes in your life. Do they call that the suck zone? <laughs> oh, <laughs> referencing, we can't go a podcast without referencing Twister. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thanks, God damn it. We, uh, we, we were having such a strong podcast, and then the fact that you tinted it with oh, uh, we'll just cut it awful out. 80s we'll movie, The Twister. It. Was yeah. it 80s or 90s? I think uh, it's the it new 90s. millennium. It was 1997. Oh. It's a good year. Hmm. <laughs> if our listeners want to take this action even further, how do they reach out to both of you? Uh, email is the best for me. Uh, we have a group email that goes to me and Ben, so that's nutrition at powerathletehq.com. Hmm. Um, and my individual email is Samantha Flaherty at powerathletehq.com. And Ben? Yeah, so I'm Ben Skutnik at powerathletehq.com. Uh, and we also kind of surf the feeds and train heroic. Um, you know, it, it, we're there. We're in them. If you guys have questions, drop them in there. Um, we're around. Sweet. Sounds good. Well, I'm a hard gainer, so... Well, you hard gainer, super lean. I know. That's I'm, a, I'm, I'm looking to, yeah, you know, just sub 200 pounds, just a 199 I love, guy. I love when we get those questions. I'm a super hard gainer, super mm -hmm. lean. I'm always like, oh, God. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Anyways, thanks, guys. And thank you, Power Athlete Nation. Bye. For listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast and strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. Oh, someone's called Hotline. All right. <laughs> See you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!